So I'm going to archive this um, post. I don't know when I'm going to post this. Because I'm in the process right now of researching information. I don't know. If I was to be honest, I don't know if when I look at now we finally have um, advancements in technology to be able to actually see what it looks like to live in a place or to exist or to live in a community. Before, um, I think it wasn't, it's, it's not that I think, it's just a fact, right? I just don't believe people had access to the levels of technology everyday people had access to, the levels of technology um, to be able to look at how it looks um, to live in a place. When you um, are growing up in a place, everything is happening, it seems like, so fast. Yeah, to me, I think that that's just how life is. It depends on you as a person. Um, in your strategy uh, for, for your everyday, how you spend your time. But when I look at um, the observations of most inner cities, it's relative, it's related to um, things that I, I could understand or that I had always seen in the behaviors it always existed. To me, it's it's um, clusters of behavior. And it's like clusters of certain behaviors that is deeply rooted in the hearts of people in certain places. And it's, and it carries a certain level of um, influence because after a while there there's this communication that people are always looking for identity so identity is a interesting topic and in this instance it's not per individual. You're examining identity in connection with um, behavioral norms that could exist. In I'm using inner city first, not that it's limited to this particular place. Because... The issues um, that people can develop over time goes with them. 
wherever they go. Right? Anyhow, there's an observation of, I don't know why it's true. Um, But even when I was growing up and living in Southwest Detroit, the experiences of what is now able to be reviewed in camera footage is not different than what I remember um, if I had to walk home from school uh, some days or if it just so happened I was taking a stroll, you know, to a store with my parent, with my mom, and then coming back, we might have seen anything that, you know, these things, I can recall them as realities in the inner city, but it's different. The only difference is, um, it's possible that there was the, the, surve- the surveillance for how that t- those time periods looked for us, that footage was not available. Unless it made the news, would we show it on the news and then we'd be like, wow, we live on that street. Oh, wow, that's around the corner. Um, what I had noticed um, in certain periods of time was how things began to be communicated um, to some of us. We were in the school system with all the other kids. um, And it's certain things that some kids do that other kids don't do, right? I'll give you an example. A fight breaks out and now this was back in the day it was two types of um, personalities when a fight would break when a fight would happen and or when people would hear about a fight they hear about a fight and it'd be two responses And one, which I noticed was the dominant response was, what time is it? Where they say they're going to be at? What door? Um, What street? Oh, I'm going to be there. That was one response. And then the other way that other person, the other people would hear it was, which I could more relate to was my, the way I heard it was, what time is it? What time is it gonna be? And what door is it, did they say? And who? Because the way I'm processing, the way I processed it was, I had no intention on being anywhere where that was gonna take place. But, I remember distinctly 
um, the majority, the way they heard it and the way they processed it was different than the way some people who thought like me processed it. Um, because I was listening for what door, what time, who, and I'd be completely somewhere else leaving early or I never saw it. My intention was I'll hear about it tomorrow if it happens, right? Because the way I heard it was I, I, pers- I listened more as warning. And this is the way I process. I'm more, I process more pre- preventative. It's the way I hear information. It's the way that I absorb data or the way that I communicate or hear, you know, I don't know. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. This is just what I'm saying. So it's examples, right? So, so even in the inner city, as an example, this could be any scenario, right? Um, after a while, certain cities, certain communities begin to get a identity. And the identity um, back in the day was we had noticed that there were a lot of cities where um, people wanted to say they were from the toughest cities. And to me, it's how did you hear what was being said? Because to me, when I would hear it, I would hear it, I would be in the presence of people who would perceive the same message various ways. And the majority, like back in the day, if people would say, I'm from one of the toughest cities in the U.S. And I pay attention to the majority, I pay attention to, I could tell in the majority how they respond. And for some of them, it was a sense of, it's a sense of pride that goes along with the identity that is associated with a certain amount of known bad behaviors. Does that make sense? Because ultimately, um, that's identity. Ultimately, that can be identity. If it's glorified or if it's perceived as some good, it can make people more likely to view it um, negatively, right? But the reality of it should still not be miscued because it's still a reality of an identity of an obvious uh, pro- 
problem that, that problems that can't or have existed in a place over the course of time. What you see a lot of times is um, the people who are perceptive to it, they are exhausted because um, to me, it's still in the observational aspect in the processing there are a lot of people um, who strate- their strategy is different than other people's approach. There are some people where they're saying, hey, this is going on. And they intend to go get you and bring it completely to your attention by bringing you completely to where the problem is to show you that this is a problem, right? So then there's that. And then there's possibly a person like myself, and I'm sure I'm not the only person, where we've been purposely doing what we've done probably for a long time. Like like I said, I learned it young. I hear about a problem or it's going to be a fight. Where? What door? Who? And I wouldn't be, I'd do what I could to not be, to not be over there, right? So in any case, it never used to be that it was, you had to wait for the news. And then when the news aired then when the news was on then you could see what the problem was then you'd be like oh that happened in Detroit it would be some things that would shock me because that happened in Detroit when I was growing up even though I knew some terrible stuff would happen but because I was surrounded by other people who did not identify with that aspect of the community because where they went and what they did every day was not the same. So they're at, what I mean by that is how they physically spent their time, um, their actual everyday activity was not the same as other people's. What happens is, it's after a while, people realize, is it that bad? I remember a couple years ago, um, I was talking to some friends of mine, and um, I remember them saying, I remember them asking, you know, Oh, is it really that bad? And I looked at them and I said, oh yeah, it is. It's that bad. It's been that bad. But I think a lot of people process facts or the reality very differently. And then how they respond to the reality is per individual. And then 
what I also notice is like, I'll give you an example. So how they respond is, is per, per individual. But the, what I had noticed is, is people in inner cities, um, after a while, you know, you can't ignore, um, you know, the loudest person in the room, right? And in my experience, in my observation, the loudest person in the room is still saying something. They're still speaking of a reality or an existence that other people, whether they wanted to know that it was real or not, even including me, have no choice but to accept the fact that it can be a real existing circumstance for people. So like I said, I'm doing a lot of research. Um, and I don't remember exactly. I think uh, if I remember correctly, it was bad. And I don't really like to use the word bad because... People don't always fully understand what that means. But to me, it was already that bad. Um, because that word can be misused. Some people sometimes people use a word and they're not and they're they don't use it in the right concept. But to me, it was that bad even before I got to high school. Because all the people older than me always told me that it was that bad for them. Every generation goes through a terrible time uh, where for some reason they survived their high school existence and became some what people like to say they became someone right they became someone and now they could tell you how they did it but they can't tell you how they did it if they don't be honest to some degree about what were the obstacles what was there um, what was difficult and just very simple terms that people use that's in the English dictionary which is good to describe no matter where you are right and no matter how much money you think you need there's a term that's relative to behavior and there's words and the words, it goes back to poor decision-making. Now I would say poor decision-making can mean a lot of things to a lot of people, but some people it can mean a lot of things to a lot of people. Most people, once they figured that observationally in certain places that if I could show up, they, they figured if, if we could present ourselves in a certain way, then people wouldn't be able to tell that we just weren't 
that great either, right? So, but poor decision-making has nothing to do with money. And it has nothing to do with how much uh, the items cost that we decorate ourselves with and that we choose to put on. We would, there's an appreciation for it to each its own. And that's good. No one's calculating that expense. Poor decision-making has nothing to do with the packaging of how something is packaged and how much it costs to package it or decorate it. Poor decision-making is a relative term that describes a condition, whatever that is, right? So I've been doing research. I've been reading. I read a lot. I listen. And it, and it's, you know, I listen. And I think it's, it still is humans, humans get to certain points where as individuals, they have certain things they want to do by themselves. And it's acceptable because they're like, well, you know, I don't want to. If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this in my home. And this is how we're going to do it. And this and that. And that's okay, right? But I think there's just that basic uh, relative fact that because humans are humans, you can't shake the other humans that perceive your methods as a good idea. So you can't always control that aspect, whether your behavior is good or bad, or what type of influence you have on people. Does that make sense? And so it becomes contributions to perception. And then it goes back to basic, you know, goes back to, you know, keep it simple. And like the conversation I had with my friends a couple of years ago, and they said, is it really that bad? Are we, are we really that bad? And I'm like, and I'm thinking we, <laughs> we who? But what I had noticed was, you know, I'm, I'm laughing, but it's kind of not funny. But, you know, you got to, you know, kind of kind of have a light heart about it. It's, the truth is, is that some of us didn't know because we weren't, we, we're not, we're not doing all of the, we're not our activities in our day. And then we're not, we don't do all of what other people do in our day. So we're, so we lacked the knowledge but we did it on purpose because it wasn't appealing to us. So every human has aspects of what they would find appealing about what they would like to be able to have their mind to dwell on in a day and to do and how they would like to spend their time. And for some people, the way that they go about it is different than others. Um, for me, I'm perfectly okay with my imagination, right? And me being okay with my imagination actually 
looks kind of strange to people. But what I've noticed is it's not because, well, I'm a little strange, but I think about a lot of things, you know, and that's how I choose to spend my time. I, I think, I think about a lot of things. So a lot of things to me are in imagination. Um, facts, and I understand a lot of, a lot more than I used to. And I like to make sure that I got some stuff that I thought I knew. And if I don't, then I like to check myself on it. But in any case, identity in communities, I was, when people would say, um, when other people would say, you from here? Are you from there? I'd be like, yeah, I'm from there. And people, in a way, they'd be kind of, after a while, I guess they'd be shocked. But I wouldn't be shocked because I remember also being in high school. And meeting people who are well-rounded. And they'd say, I'm from here. And I'd be like, you from there? You used to live there? And they'd be like, yeah. I grew up over there. And I'd be like, you grew up over there? And they'd be like, yeah. So, I can relate to um, how people pull themselves into another existence and I think that that's what being responsible is and I also believe that uh, once again um, poor decisions makes or can potentially make people feel poor. And but this is what I find to be very strange because keep in mind I know economy very well and if I remember correctly in the inner city we when I grew up we had a lot more cash flow in Detroit than even I do as an adult now. And it was a lot, it had a, it was clean money the way we got paid was good money. We worked very, we worked a lot. I mean, I, I, I always been like that, like I worked. So I always had, if people want to call it that, you know, in Detroit, always had money. Or some people said I always had bread. This was back in the day in the inner city. But how I used the money was different. Because if I remember correctly, I'd spend a lot of money on expensive, certain things that were expensive. Because I wanted it. Nothing wrong with it, I'm just saying. And I'm, I don't spend like that at all the same way anymore but I don't but I think because it was an inner city um there, there's a lot of concepts in design there's a lot of things that happen that's good 
that happens in design, that happens in decorations, that happens in fashion in inner cities. And when you get your money, you can dress according to those things. And so I'll be a lot of ways with how I spend my money, you know. But I, well, once again, it goes back to identity. So even if people are outfitted, even if people are, I'm talking about grooming themselves in a certain um, identification because it goes back to identity. It says, it speaks that you're from a place, you know, it speaks to a certain degree that you're from a place. And people, after a while, they can identify you. Uh, Whatever that means. And so... And so I, I believe that there's... Once... Between... As far as what I can relate to. Between like 1990... I would say between 1990... Let me be honest and say between in 1994, this is history. I don't know why I'm, I'm telling y'all this, but cause once again, I got to still add more uh, to, to this cause I'm doing more research, but for some reason, um, in 1994, it was a, it was a certain shift. And I remember it. And it was a certain shift then. And it was a, it switched perception of not just Africa. Well, we, we, you know, we were saying we called ourselves blacks. It switched perception of blacks. Where it almost jarred, jarred like a, uh, a re-examine of how people wanted to identify themselves in America. Now in 94, I don't know why I'm telling y'all this, but I'm just saying it's in my history bank, right? So in 94, there was the, uh, genocide that took place in Rwanda. And now I don't know why I remember this, but for some reason, because I researched economy, I was reading books and I always read books on culture and people. And I always paid attention to what could affect their money, what could affect their economy. And it just so happened in me absorbing information. This was in my massive absorbing phase of reading facts of individuals and humans and cultures all over the world I came across information about people and this circumstance that had happened to them and for some reason um, it always stuck with me and I read it and I was like wow that can happen to some people so for some reason it just leveled their perception of how these people dealt with each other in a place that was not the U.S. And I thought, wow, that affected their economy. 
The loss of life was tremendous, which should have never taken place, but it affected their, what people really, for some reason, only care about was their economy. And like I said, society, naturally understand economy. I distinctly remember that clicking with me, even in the U.S. And I'm like, (laughs) let me be honest with y'all. It's 94, I'm 13 years old. When I read it, I was like, oh, snap. But in the U.S., I felt whatever happened to them, I'm telling you, I don't know, whatever happened to them, stuck is stuck with me. And I remember thinking, I don't know why. Stuck with me. In the, in, the his, in the memory bank, right? It's in the memory bank. It's in the history. It's in my head for some reason. And I couldn't shake it then. I had respect for reading it. And I had respect for that. It made me think a lot about uh, when I would do my... From that point, even when I would go and I would buy stuff, from the time I was 13, 14... I always, whenever I would get money, I always paid attention to how I purchased and how I spoke to people when I bought stuff. Um, It was a simple money exchange, but I always paid attention to how I treated people when I'm giving them my money Uh, or when I'm giving them any resource that's in my name. But for some reason, that made me think even more so that we don't know what people go through every day um, and we don't know what their life is like and because of that it made me deal with people carefully in my everyday exchanges with resource I was nice to people but not because I was you know I went through my face you know it's a whole we, we don't have to talk about that right now but that's my but the point was it further impressed upon me even then that this that that that's something to note anyway so now we're in the US right so now it's not 1994 anymore right so fast forward Well, you know where we're at. You know how life has been. In the past couple years. And for some reason, I had noticed that um, I think because that happened in, in Africa and I think just like with anything, when you're African American, I think what happened was relief efforts, if I remember correctly, relief efforts uh, went there naturally, you know, the, uh, the country did that for many nations. And I, if I remember correctly, relief efforts uh, did go there. And possibly some of those people came here. Um, which 
that happens, you know, that's what happens. That's what, that's what relief efforts is. You give people relief. And then if people can find a way to go to a place that's not light, where all this unexplained chaos is, that they couldn't really identify exactly why it happened there, the people can still go to a place, but they can't necessarily explain why so many years goes along and then it happens wherever they go. They go, Because once again, it goes back to the psychology of the mind. It's just facts. It's just facts. It's just data. And and automatically, um, you would have people where you're going to always have patterns where after a while, people will begin to wonder, how is it that certain Places can begin now to appear for a group of people who are in the U.S. to be living as if they're in a third world country. Right? So, so that's history. So this is data. This is processing. Like I said, I'm still doing research. And, um, but that's like a basic example. I've been absorbing that, uh, because like I said, I naturally research economy in, in a number of different instances. That's just one example, but people don't always understand why they act like, why <laughs> they act like that in an inner city. How is it? So I don't have to. So right. So now I don't have to go deeper into that. You can let your imagination with what you know now, based on facts and parallel to behavior. So then the question goes back to identity. I'm from one of the toughest cities in America. Right? Is that a good thing for you and your behavior? Or is that a bad thing for you? And then you have people in, naturally, in the African countries where this unfortunate thing took place, where once they received the relief, they did what responsible people do. And they said, we don't want to be viewed like we're people who can't live and love and love thy neighbor and be cordial and responsible and nonviolent. So what did they do? They worked, got their funding, their relief. They got themselves together. You didn't hear about that necessarily anymore. Not like that. 
So, when I look at some of the videos, now we have the technology. I look at some of the stuff. The inner city people actually have camera footage to show um, human behavior. (laughs) How people can be human behavior. Or what they can actually convince themselves to do and act like in their own mind. Poor decision making. It's not the money. I'm talking to you as a person that I don't hardly ever really have any other money that I used to have. I'm not mad. I've been telling people that for years. I come from a bunch of people in all kind of cultures that didn't have money like that. But how they their decision makers were their decisions that they made weren't poor. They didn't have anything to do with the money. But we are around a bunch of people who, for some reason, they can jump up. And act like they in Rwanda. You don't know why. They don't know why. So. But to me. The behavior is the same. Right. So I'm listening to it differently. It's like the fight that you heard about in school. You say you're going to be where? What time? Who? I'm not trying to be nowhere near there when I jump jump off. They want to go. See, what I'm saying is, after a while, you have to pay attention to behaviors of people. After a while, people will ask you, oh, are we really that bad? Well, can you parallel your behavior? With any of what I said. And why would you want to? It's a part of your identity. Okay. Right? So, it goes back to choices and decision making. I don't look down on people. I'm not. You know, I listen to people. I listen. But I listen, I listen a lot. I actually listen so much and I think so much it give me a trouble. People that I really care about, they be wondering why they can't get in touch with me. And really, I be thinking about how I'm going to get what I need to help them in their situation. Because I can imagine... That I don't know what they like is like. But I can imagine. Just somewhere people running around. Like any other scenarios. That have been communicated here today. Is that good? No. Probably not. 
Is it bad? No, probably not. But it's probably not the best situation that they'd like to be in either. Right? During that time of their recovery in history in Rwanda, I followed up research between 97 and 99 when I was graduating high school. I started doing more research. I wonder how they're doing. And my research... Um, young people started to communicate some of how they had grown and they survived and they were so happy that they had survived. They, stories of kid soldiers. And I remember reading those accounts with my mother. Hey. And I'd be like, Mom, can you imagine? First time I ever read that, I never even knew that that uh, such a thing existed. Kid soldiers, what is that? And my mother was like, <laughs> I showed her article, I said, you ever heard of this? She looked at me, she was shocked, just as shocked as I am. Kids. Holding rifles. They was like they seven, eight, nine years old. Holding assault rifles. And they, in their articles, spoke about that was their reality. Something came through their town. They lost contact with their parents. All of a sudden, they was enlisted in the war. Next thing they know, they kill soldiers. You get guns, you get guns. They fed the kids. And this was in the articles in, like, National Geo. It was in articles, like, because after years, they would publish interviews with young people who had survived, and they were happy to be completely away from the life. They said, how did they get you to do this stuff? And they said, we was high. I'm telling you this as a fact. Now, if I remember correctly, I'm not talking about marijuana. If I remember correctly, in the history book articles on the kid, on the, on the kid soldiers that I researched, when people were asking, when news reporters and news anchors or journalists had an opportunity to ask these young people, how did I get you to just, did you ever not feel like that wasn't something that you wanted to do? And they'd be like, no, we didn't have any feelings. Why? Because they were, it was written in the journals. They were on a drug that was more mentally numbing in that so they didn't get the response to not do that now do you understand so by history by me reading in my research young it's been a cumulative understanding it's been a cumulative understanding of facts not that i want to be able to run around and say look what i know so what? All the people who read these journals read the same thing. 
All the people who interviewed these people years ago read the same thing. It's not the gloat. It made me think about how I was going to treat people better. Young. It made me think about how I never wanted to do any of those things. And how I was going to do what I could to make sure that I wouldn't do any of those things. It just made me think. Right? So, in history, the answers have always been there. Documented. You know, people don't want to feel bad. Because in influence, people don't always know how they're being used. Something happens. And all of a sudden, a pervasive attitude or pervasive response occurs. And humans don't always know what they should do. What they should side with it, against it, or do what you've always been doing. I've always been keen to these things. So I just work. <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's not funny. It's true. I just work. Every time I go somewhere, I just work. I do some tasks and I work. Why? Because I always read it. I always knew. I read it. It's real. It exists. It can happen in places. And I read it preventive. I've always read things preventive. And I've always listened so as to hear about I didn't want to make poor decision making because like I said it was about money not coming from a lot of money but what money I did make all of the money that I did make I didn't want it to be um, questionable I, I, want, I like being able to sleep at night. This is also another, another reason why people can't reach me. <laughs> I, like, I like being able to sleep. So anyway, that's all I have. That's in my research. Um, and so like I said, you have people where maybe that's not, that's not just their scenario. That's not just the story. I gave you one example. It's not the people of Africa. You know. You know, you have people, they from every culture that went over to assist and they went over there or they went over there and they, you have people where they moved their families to a place because they felt sympathetic. They wanted to help, right? You have people, they did that all over the world whenever something would happen. After a while, some people would be feel compelled that they wanted to live with some other people, right? So... But when you get to the, but when people get to those places, who knows what influence, pressures, realities, or things that they are confronted with as well, right? And it becomes their reality, decision. That's all. So that that's it. It's not. It's not any particular place that I mentioned. It's not any particular race, racial group, um, because. 
in Southwest Detroit in the same year, a year after that. You know, I had friends going through it between Iraq and Iran. And they were my classmates. And that was a whole nother. And I had already read about it. I knew what was going on. They didn't, they didn't have to talk to me about what was going on in Iraq and Iran. I never wanted them to have to talk to me about that. But I was but I'm but I know economy and I liked drawing people. And since I was always drawing people and people from different places, always trying to get their features right. Always trying to get their features right. I wonder if I could draw the eyes right. I wonder if I could see their you know, I'd be counting. <laughs> this is all stuff that get artists in trouble. I don't like, you know, this is all stuff that get, like, real artists in trouble. I would be looking at hair, texture, hair. Because for some reason, uh, artists, we probably do look, we used to, I don't anymore. We would probably look more intently. Texture of skin, hair, eyes. Nose shape, things that would be identifiable to a culture or to a people, and these things can get, you know. Now I know that some people they're uh, they don't understand artists, but anyway, that's all another story. Um, so I had learned after a while reference reference yourself, research your pictures, and um, that way you won't be looking at people too long. But whenever I'm looking at people, it's just natural. I'm an artist. And who knows? Looking at texture, skin. Always thinking about drawing something. You know, it's all in imagination. You know, and that's it. But, so I said that to say that even in those countries, they, you know, in those countries within the same year, like a year apart, um, they had their, they had their, their instances and I look at my classmates, I'm like, you ain't got to tell me what's going on. You know, they come to school. Some days happy, some days not. Why? Because they got family there. Right? But they got to go to school, worried about their family. Right? So, you know, I just learned that, you know, people are people. We don't know what they go through. You know, we don't know what people go through. Who knows, you know, but they're, but they are people and not all the time do people get the answers for what they're looking for. Not all the time do people get the exact answers. They, they, so much happened. They didn't even know how, how, you know, they got back on their feet. Right. They don't even know how they got back on their feet. They just looked up and there was different and now they have whatever they needed now, you know, and they're happy for that. So. I mean, I always treated things lighthearted because though the reality of the existence of behaviors anywhere is in people. It doesn't matter where they're from. And it's based on decision making. And whenever people make those decisions, it has it can potentially have influence. If that influence becomes pervasive enough, it has certain effects on people. And people begin to identify 
with it as a norm or something that they either like to continue or discontinue. You know? But, um, so, so that's what I'm saying. Anyway, I got more research I have to do. I don't know if I'll post this, but just in the archive, right? This is only a percentage of the, it's only a percentage. Really. Um, and I, and I would, you know, I would say that because of that, it's people who are tutoring, mentoring, um, and their heart is they are laying it all on the line every day and my thing is uh it hurts you because they didn't understand that these kids are at war with themselves and they inherited it from people who were at war for real and they don't know why they like that. <laughs> I'm not laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm saying, even as I said it, that the reality of it is shocking. And so it's data processing and understanding that um, there are people where they're crying. There's people trying to help people in communities that are crying making themselves sick, trying to figure how they're going to do it. And I'm like, you have to first understand what you're looking at. Their war is in their mind. They are at war with themselves. And until they hear it, or until they know it, and this would be anywhere. It's all kind of European wars. It's all kind of other wars. And the same is true. And whenever there's something that you can look at it and you look at the disposition of the people, if it patterns, the war is in their mind. They are war with themselves. And it just shows up as that. And so, you know, like I said, there's people, they ready and they willing to go and volunteer and they want to be there and people wanted them to be there they needed their help they needed their wisdom you gotta relax you look at it for what it is and not feel responsible for what it is because it's decision making which is why some individuals get it and get the positive results and some individuals in the process don't and they don't get the results but you can't I, I, I never look at a person, I don't, I never look at a person or people and say they're incapable of doing something to make themselves better. Because that's none of my business, whether they can or whether they cannot. But I imagine that as a human, you're given enough ability to be able to do it. So, it's in decision making. It's processing. Anyway, that's all I got. Bye.
think about my other good friend who was in depression. Was he
But I was young too, and she was just talking to our kids, and she was just listening. They actually were the ones who took us off of the table and said, "Okay, you know, and that's what uh, was the thing. So we have to really
class. You know what I'm saying? Because I'd be bored. I'd be drawing. Like, I'd be doing everything that I could to try to get this out. Just go. Since I was reading so fast, for some reason, when I was reading the assignments with her, or we had to do the writing, it had to be what it is. They carried me with her to do like the next part. But when I think about it, I learned more from her ideas than she learned from me. Because it taught me to show people how to do stuff. super fast that she'd be cracking up and I'd be like, did you understand me? She'd be like, surprisingly, yes. Better than this, this teacher. And we crack up about that. Um, you know, I read fast, like, extremely fast on purpose because I'm like, you know, in our time and age, so when you see the young kids play, I'm like, it's all over the place. Like, real quick, read the first paragraph. Like, what do you mean? Like, you read the next paragraph. Next paragraph. And she would have to take her time, but it got to a point where she was picking up the page and she was reading the paragraph fast. She asked me questions, she had an answer, she had the same answer, we be at the same place. Come on, we be at the same place at the same exact same time. The whole assignment was done. She got to a point where she was just reading the same paragraph every time. Into the class, every time we got to class, we did our writing assignment so we could take drives. And that was me and her, and she was winning. 
he was an immigrant for real, like from somewhere else. For real. You know, um and hilarious. And one of my, like I said, one of the funniest people I had ever met. Um and, and nice people and I'm scared to say, hey, I would say that that year for me was my best year. Um because for some reason I didn't always get to be with my best friends, like people I would call my best friends. I wanted to be I, I felt like I could have did better academically if I was with some of my best friends because I wouldn't have wanted to pursue none of that if I think I would have tried to stay home. And then she turns back around and looks at 
Like I said, you could hear her marching up the hallway when she got to the class. Something happened to her. What? I don't know. Something happened to the kid. What? I don't know. When she got to the class. And when she got, like I said, it was peace. Like I said, I, you know, I could hear her. But maybe some people don't have this ability.
laughs, you know, whatever like that. But um, I had noticed.
Thank you. 